Uh-oh. Uh-oh, sounds like some serious weather. Not unlike what we're having today. Our guest today loves a good storm. Chester Lampkin is a meteorologist who delivers forecasts for the Washington area on WUSA 9. He studies the weather every day to make sure we can be prepared whether it's going to be cold, hot, windy, rainy, or snowy. And he's here today to talk about meteorology. That's the study of the atmosphere and the many things meteorologists do. Turns out that not all the things they do are on TV. Also joining us today are students of the Woods Academy in Bethesda, Maryland. We welcome their questions and your questions, too, if you're a kid. Adults, you're invited to listen, but on Kojo for Kids, it's kid callers only. Chester Lampkin, welcome to the program. All right. Thanks a lot, Kojo. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thanks. I was watching you just yes, last night. We'll get, to, we'll get to the weather in a minute. <laughs> we'll get to the weather in a minute. But first, tell us a little bit about you. When you were a kid, where were you born? Where did you grow up? Well, um, it's a pretty straightforward story for me. Uh, I've always loved weather, and I grew up in the very active weather place of the Midwest. Uh, grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. I've lived there for much of my uh, my life, including all the way through college. That's where I obtained my St. Louis University my degree from St. Louis University, my meteorology degree. So I'm a proud Billiken, if there are any Billikens out there listening. <laughs> and uh, I started my career uh, shortly thereafter, moved to Colorado. I lived in central Missouri, uh, out in, near the capital city of Jefferson City. And I also lived in El Paso, Texas, and uh, New Zealand for a little while. And, <laughs> you know, I kind of ended up here in, on the East Coast over the last year. Do you have siblings? What did you like to do as a kid? Yeah, I do. And it's so interesting um, that we have such a, we're, we're a varied family, if you will. I have a brother and a sister. Uh, I'm the oldest of us three. I also have um, some half siblings that live in the Philippines. And, you know, that's a whole nother side of my, my personal <laughs> life story. But <clears throat> excuse me. Um, we all do different things. My brother uh, works for uh, a big, uh, a big co- company. I won't name them. And he does uh, logistics type work. And my sister works for the Department of Defense. And she actually lived in the D.C. area for a couple of years. She now lives in Hawaii. Lucky her. Wow. You knew you wanted to be a meteorologist from the time you were very young. I did. Um, what have you always loved about the weather? And what exactly is a meteorologist? Well, a meteorologist is a person who studies the weather. I mean, that's the basic definition. But uh, meteorology is such a, a vast field. There's so many things you can do, and that's what I love about it. And I've always loved it, you know, as you, the first part of your question, as a child. I loved it because um, I was sort of afraid of a lot of the things that came with the weather. Again, I grew up in St. Louis. It's not Tornado Alley, but it's pretty close. Uh, we're just yeah. a, a couple hundred miles away, and we got our fair share of tornadoes. So I was, I, Kojo, I was deathly afraid of tornadoes and lightning and that sort of weather as a kid. But, you know, it's so interesting because I actually ended up, you know, wanting to know more about it because of that fear, which is not always the case. You know, I, you know, there's other things I'm scared of. I'm afraid of drowning, but it doesn't make me want to go become a deep sea diver or anything like that. <laughs> but uh, the weather just fascinated me. And I loved a big snowstorm. I loved the tornadoes. You know, I loved, I loved all that kind of weather. And uh, I still have that passion in me today. I'm very lucky to be able to do that. Uh, it's my understanding you spent way too much time watching the Weather Channel, but it's my. I did, I, but I, did. I hear you also used to deliver pretend forecasts when you were a kid, yeah. just as if you were on TV. Who was your audience then, and would you just <laughs> make the weather up? 
<laughs> well, unfortunately for my uh, my brother and sister, they were often the uh, audience, whether they wanted to be or not. But a lot of times it was just me pretending to talk into a, a radio. You know, back then we had, you know, tape. We have cassette tapes. So I would record myself, you know, talking as if I were on the radio, as if I'm, you know, it's I never I mean, I didn't dream that I'd ever be on the radio right now. And here I am talking to you. But, I, you know, as a kid, that's what I did. I pretended I was on the radio. I would give weather forecasts and I did, you know, did news breaks because I liked watching a lot of local news. That's where I would get all my weather information because, you know, today we have the Internet. We have smartphones. We didn't have any of that. Our, our weather information came from the newspaper. It came from local news and the Weather Channel. That was the only way to get uh, weather, you know, almost instantly. And you had to wait, you know, for the local on the eights on the Weather Channel or, or whatever it was. But, um. Yeah, as a kid, that's how that's how I did it. You know, I just went and pretended I was. I was a shy kid too, but I pretended I was on radio. I was pretending I was on TV, and I kind of modeled myself after the TV meteorologists that that I grew up watching and some of the folks that I heard on radio back in the the eighties and nineties. Well, I got to tell you, a lot of kids are clearly interested in weather, so I'm going to cut yes. myself off for now because I'm an adult, sure. and this is really for kids. So let's start with eight-year-old Ethan in Washington, D.C. Ethan, it's your turn. You're on the air. Go ahead, please. Uh, hi, my name is Ethan. I'm from D.C., and I have two questions. The first one is, who came up with the term EF for tornadoes? Okay. Great question. So uh, EF4 tornadoes uh, is from a scale of tornadoes. There's a scale of tornadoes called the Enhanced Fujita Scale. And uh, Fujita is the Fujita Scale. The original Fujita Scale uh, was just called the Fujita Scale, the F Scale. And then it was updated later uh, to enhance because of new data that we had obtained from all the tornadoes that have hit across the country. The, the original Fujita scale was named after Ted Fujita, who was this passionate meteorologist who grew up in Japan and uh, came to the States after the Second World War and studied meteorology. He was a brilliant guy. Um, most meteorologists know about this gentleman, and he studied severe weather, and he came up with this scale of tornado damage that was named the Fujita scale. So now we have the enhanced Fujita scale. We took his scale, which was a great scale, and we made it a little bit better. Uh, so that's a great question, Ethan. What was your well, second question? Ethan has called in on this broadcast before but couldn't get on. That's why he gets to ask a second question. Ethan, oh, go ahead. Ahead. Ethan, go ahead, please. Uh, my second question is, what's the worst storm ever? Like, Ooh. just like lightning and rain. Um. You know, that's a great question. I think, I hate to say it, but I actually think it's kind of subjective. I think it depends mm -hmm. on what you don't like. So for some people, they don't mind a bad lightning storm, but they may hate snow. And I know there's a lot of grown-ups who do, even some kids. Sometimes I talk to kids that don't like snow, and I get it. So the worst storm may be something different for you, Ethan. It may be, maybe you don't like Wind, well, you're going to hate hurricanes because they have lots of wind for hours and hours. So that could be the worst storm. Or maybe for Kojo, maybe Kojo doesn't really like lightning storms. And, and I get that, too. <laughs> I used to be really afraid of them. And, um, and I still kind of am. They're, they're dangerous. Uh, but I think uh, overall in meteorology, I think most meteorologists agree the most destructive, probably the worst storms 
are hurricanes or tropical cyclones. They're, they're all the same thing. They're all big areas of low pressure that come from the tropics. But hurricanes, tropical cyclones, typhoons, whatever it's named across the world, those tend to be the worst and most devastating storms and the ones that we really we are fascinated by but also wish would just not damage anything. Just and Ethan, thank you very much for your call. Just what's the worst storm you personally had to cover and did you have to be out in it to cover it? Yeah, that's a great question. I have been in a couple events of thunder snow, which I think a lot of Ooh. people aren't familiar with. Um, and, you know, I'm assuming it doesn't happen too often here in D.C. either, but it does happen uh, where you have a storm that is has so much energy. It's it's uh, kind of convective in nature, we call it. And convection is sort of a, a, a fancy term for a thunderstorm. It's a transfer of energy, transfer of heat. But uh, I've been in a couple snowstorms where there was lightning, and that is the most eerie thing when you're in a snowstorm. And, and Kojo, you, you know this. Yep. You go out in a snowstorm. Let's say you're outside in a snowstorm, and it's quiet. Snow kind of muffles all the sound out there. You know, you don't mm-hmm. hear quite as much. That is setting the scene here. And then you hear this big crack of thunder, and it is incredibly <laughs> jarring to hear that in a snowstorm. And I think that would probably be the worst I've ever been. Wow. And I've covered a lot of storms. I've covered some tornadoes, et cetera, et cetera, a couple tropical cyclones, but that that would be the worst. Here's seven-year-old Constantine at the Woods Academy. Constantine, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Hi, my name is Constantine from second grade at the Woods Academy. My question is, how does the moon affect waves? That's a great question, Constantine. Okay. So shout out to uh, uh, you, your school there, and we appreciate you guys uh, tuning in today. Uh, Constantine, um, so the moon has a pool of gravity, just like everything. All things in the universe has gravity. Even the smallest things has a pool of gravity, has this, this force. And uh, I can only tell you that they all exist. I can't tell you what causes that because that's beyond my science. It's beyond meteorology. But the moon has gravity, and it has a force, and it pulls on the oceans, the water on Earth, and that's what causes our, our tides. So that causes the, the, the gravity from the moon actually pulls uh, the ocean up and down on Earth, which is incredible to think about considering how far away it is from us. But that's what causes uh, parts of the ocean to sort of bubble up in a sense. So it rises on two sides of the Earth because of the gravity pull of the moon. And then uh, the, the result of that is the two other sides where it's not being pulled quite as strongly, the oceans actually will, will go down just a little bit. So that's why we have the tide. And that's, that's the basic answer. And uh, it's, a, it's a, a complicated and an amazing thing because we do get impacted by here in the D.C. area because you know we've got the, the Potomac, which is a tidal uh, down through uh, downtown D.C., which is fantastic. Constantine, thank you for your call. Six-year-old George from the Woods Academy writes, what causes a tsunami? How high were the biggest recorded waves? That's a great question. So I don't, I, uh, I'll be honest with you, I don't know what the highest recorded waves are. Um, I, that's something I'd have to look up. But sure. it's a great question. Um, but certainly, certainly uh, several, several feet, perhaps, you know, uh, dozens of feet. I, I will say this. Tsunamis are actually not a meteorological event. They're actually caused by earthquakes and or, and or volcanic eruptions. But there's still something that 
we are fascinated by in meteorology. Uh, it, it doesn't matter what the weather is. You can get a tsunami. Again, it's related to what happens with an earthquake. But an earthquake and volcano, those are the main causes for tsunamis. And um, you can get an earthquake on a sunny day or a stormy day. And you can get earthquakes almost anywhere in the world. So it's not really weather related, but it is something that a lot of us weather folks, especially us TV weather folks, have to deal with uh, working um, in the media business. Thank you very much for that question. Here is 11-year-old Celine in Washington, D.C. Celine, it's your turn. Hi, Celine. Hello. Are you there? Go right ahead. Um, I'm, I'm in sixth grade at Alistair Middle School, and the question I have is, what sources or equipment do you use to prepare for your forecast? Oh, what's, what sources of equipment do you use to prepare for your forecast? How much time yeah. do you have, Celine? <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to keep it short. Um, I'll give the short version. Celine, thanks for your question. So we have a lot of different sources. In fact, as I'm talking to you right now, I'm sitting in front of my computer and I have a, a web page up that has probably six or seven tabs of weather data. Um, but the main weather information we get uh, a lot of it comes from our own national weather service and i have to give them uh, all the props in the world the national weather service is a uh, part of the government the department of commerce and they have weather forecast centers all over the country and they're part of uh, NOAA, which is based here in the washington dc area and that's where a lot of brilliant and fantastic scientists work and they do great work every day. So, you know, I can I cannot speak more highly of the folks who work there. Uh, so we get a lot of our information from from them. Uh, that includes the the current weather data uh, from weather sensors all across the country, the radar, the um, satellite data comes from NOAA and from NASA. And uh, we also get information from their computer model data. There is a primary a set of models that that help us predict what the weather is going to be, uh, and we have a set of models from the National Weather Service. It's called the GFS. That's the main American model. We also get weather data from other parts of the world. Um, we get weather data from Europe, from Japan. Um, from India, from South Africa. I mean, uh, you know, New Zealand, where I used to work. There are there are so many meteorological organizations across the world, and they all work with the World Meteorological Association, which is based in Europe, uh, to help uh, disseminate or give out data so that uh, meteorologists all over the world can work and make forecasts. So we can tell you whether it's going to rain or snow where you live, Celine. I mean, that's that's basically what it comes down to. It. Um, that's the short answer there. Celine, thank you very much for your call. We heard from 10-year-old McKenna of the Woods Academy who asked uh, a really important question. Is it too early to ask about the weather for Christmas? It has not snowed on Christmas that I can remember. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, that's a great question. I believe, and um, you know, and this is just going from memory, so I, I'm not looking at anything or any computer model or anything. I believe the chance of seeing snow on the ground in Christ, around Christmas time in D.C. is only 10 to 15 percent. That means uh, if you were to, you know, flip a coin 10 times, you know, <laughs> and heads was your snow, 
well, nine of those times you would get tails. So it's just, <laughs> it's just really hard for us to see snow on Christmas. Um, January and February tend to be snowier days. I mean, snowier months for D.C. Uh, with that said, I'm kind of peeking here ahead to Christmas. <laughs> I, I personally think it might be too warm for us to see snow on Christmas. So it's, it is a little too soon, but just based on what I am seeing, some of the weather data that goes out a couple weeks, it's not looking good. And I'm really sorry. I wish uh, it'd be nice to have a white Christmas. I haven't seen one in years either. And I remember December, I mean, last winter, we barely got any snow in the D.C. That's area. right. There's not much of a snow winter. And Aiden in grade five at the Woods Academy asks, do people get mad at you if your prediction is different from the weather that we actually get? I bet it happens with snow all of the time. <laughs> yes, Aiden, you uh, are 100% correct. Um, and honestly, most people are okay. Most people are nice. Most people understand that meteorolo meteorology is a complicated science. It is difficult to predict the future in any field, okay? There are very few fields where you can actually predict the future. You can prepare, but predicting the actual outcome is a difficult thing to do. And I think in meteorology, we do a great job. You can get a really good weather forecast five to ten days out. You may not know all the details, but you get a good forecast. Like the storm that's coming on Wednesday, we've known about it for a few days now, and so... You know, people are already asking us. They've been asking us about the snow since, you know, Saturday and Sunday. So, Aiden, uh, yes, I've had people get upset. Um, the worst was I actually had someone get really mad that I was on television interrupting a program because I was talking about a tornado that was coming down to a city. This was in Illinois, so of uh, years ago. And people were really upset. I got a lot of mean messages that day. And it, it, it's tough, you know, it, it hurts our feelings. But at the same time, we're professionals and we know that you're not going to make everybody happy. Um, whether your forecast is, you know, perfect or not, uh, you just do your best every day. But yes, we've had a lot of people <laughs> come to us um, who can be mean, you know, sometimes grownups can be mean. But most people, including kids, are usually really, really great about it. Well, we've got questions from two siblings, eight-year-old Charlie and six-year-old Andy. Who wants to go first? I want to go first, Andy. And you are? Andy. Go right ahead, Andy. Um, I, I want to know if it's true or not that when lightning strikes, it's harder than the sun. Hmm. <laughs> That is true from what I have read, yes. Um, so I don't know off the top of my head the exact temperature of the surface of the sun. And we say it's hotter than the sun. So lightning can be as hot as, I believe, 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit, which is really, really super hot, which is hotter than the surface of the sun. However, I believe the inside of the sun, and again, this is beyond my science because, you know, I'm a meteorologist and I just study what happens on Earth here in our atmosphere where we live. But I believe the sun, inside of the sun, the core is much, much hotter where the sun actually burns its fuel. But yes, 10,000 degrees for lightning is really hot and that is hotter than the surface of the sun. Either way, though, you don't want to be hit by lightning and you don't want to be on the surface of the sun. Those are both bad places to be, so... You know, make sure when you hear lightning, 
Thunder roars, go indoors. That's what we say in meteorology. Just stay away from thunderstorms. Now for Andy's eight-year-old brother, Charlie. Charlie, it's your turn. Um, I want to know, well, what's a dust devil? Ooh, great question. So uh, a dust devil is, it looks like a tornado, but it's not made the same way. So, uh, Andy, what happens is uh, you can get... Uh, what we call uneven heating on the ground. This happens in places where there's a lot of dirt. So just imagine a field, like a farm, that has a lot of dirt and there's no plants on, in that dirt. It's just dirt, okay? You get a really hot day or a really sunny day. The sun is heating up that dirt. It's heating up the ground. And it, it creates a warm bubble sort of on the ground. But above it, it's a little bit cooler. And in shaded spots under a tree, it's a little bit cooler. Well, that can create a little bit of wind. So you can get a little bit of wind moving around in a a large area of dirt or even in the desert. And that wind can start to swirl because of many other forces in the atmosphere. And basically, it's a temperature difference. It's like uh, the atmosphere, Mother Nature likes it when everyone has the same temperature. So when you have a little bit of heat and you have a little cool spot, the air starts to move and that can create a swirl. And that sometimes can pick up dirt and make a little little miniature tornado is what it looks like. And that is a a dust devil. So dust devils are made of dust and or dirt and they come from usually a sunny day, not always, but usually a sunny day where you warm up the ground and you can heat up the ground and you can make the wind, make a little wind you can get a little dust devil. Uh, they're not the, they're not created the same way as tornadoes. Tornadoes are formed by wind, but they're formed by you know different kinds of air masses or big bubbles of air coming together, and, and they come from thunderstorms. You have to have a thunderstorm or something like it for a tornado. Great questions, Charlie and Andy. Thanks, Charlie and Andy. Eight-year-old Asha from the Woods Academy says, Happy holidays, and what is the difference between weather and climate? Ooh, this is a great question, Asha. And so I will uh, begin by saying, again, I am a meteorologist, a person who studies the weather. uh, But um, I know a little bit, just a little tiny bit about climate. But weather is short term. So weather is what happens in the next few minutes, what happens the next hour or five days or maybe as much as 10 days. And climate is long term. So usually someone who's studying climate, a climatologist as they're called, someone who studies the climate, will study maybe what happens two weeks or a month or six months or maybe a year. And for some, some climatologists will study what happens a hundred years from now or what happened in the past a hundred years ago. So climate is what the weather has been over a long period of time and what it can be. And weather is more like what's happening right now. So the weather that happens right now or in the next few hours or the next few days. So that's the difference between weather and climate. And we only have less than a minute left, but five-year-old Nora wants to get her question. And go ahead, please, Nora. Before I ask my question, it's, Oh, Nora with an A. Oh, Nora oh, with an A. Got it. <laughs> Nora with an A. Got it. And Nora. And Nora. And Nora. Got you. My question is, 
How did scientists predict when it will snow? Because I really want it to snow this year. I know. You only have about yeah. 30 seconds left. I'll keep it quick. Okay. So we take all of that model data I talked about earlier in the show, all that computer model data. We look at what's happening now and what the weather pattern usually happens around here. And that's how we predict whether it's going to snow. Uh, if the, the bottom line is it's hard to predict it, but we try our best. I do think we're going to see a little bit of snow on Wednesday. So maybe you'll get your wish at Nora. Chester Lampkin is a meteorologist at WSA 9. Thank you so much for joining us. Kojo for Kids was produced by Lauren Marco in our conversation on the coronavirus vaccine was produced by Julie Deppenbrock. Coming up tomorrow, the pandemic has hurt many people's finances, putting millions out of work and leaving many others with uncertainty about the future. Whatever your situation, year's end is a good time to take stock of your finances and we've got experts to help. Michelle Singletary of the Washington Post and Sandy Block of Kiplinger's Personal Finance Magazine that all starts at noon tomorrow. Until then, thank you for listening and stay safe. I'm Kojo Nandi. The Kojo Nandi Show is produced by Julie Deppenbrock, Sydney Granin, Lauren Marco, Kurt Gardiner, Richard Cunningham, and Inez Renike. Our managing producer is Ingelisa Schopsdorf. Our broadcast engineer is Rashad Young. Today's engineer was Mike Kidd. For past shows and more content, visit kojoshow.org. WAMU 88.5 is your listener-supported NPR news station in the greater Washington, D.C. region. You can support the Kojo Namdi Show and all the regional coverage you value by becoming a member today. Click the Donate button at wamu.org and thanks.